Welcome as we come back to our study in the book of Ephesians, a New Testament book that is just brimming with theological truth and yet very practical ways that we might live to bring glory to Jesus Christ. If you remember, the book of Ephesians can be broken up into two specific sections. Chapters 1 through 3 lays out the foundation, who Christ is, what he has done, and the richness of our identity in him. Chapters 4 through 6 then teach us what a life in Christ ought to look like. I don't know about you, but I find the battles of the Christian life quite intense, and I'm not always perfect. Matter of fact, more often than not, I make mistakes. And indeed, the battle with the flesh, the battles with the demonic and the satanic forces that seek to corrupt my heart and mind are always assaulting me. That is why I think I can ring out with Paul in Romans chapter 7, like I'm sure many of you can too. The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. But where can I find my victory? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So through this study, we want to know Jesus more and then understand what it means to live a life worthy of him and to find strength in his presence to practically daily in our homes, in our jobs, in our relationships, Fight the good fight. Fight the battle that brings honor to his name and allows us to enjoy the salvation that he has so richly provided. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this time. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak through me even through this computer and this digital means. Thank you for this technology that enables us to to share your word and to learn together the depths of truth found in your word. Thank you for your patience and your kindness when we make mistakes. Thank you for your forgiveness and your ongoing presence. Help us to live a life worthy of you. And Father, I know, I know my brothers and sisters right now, wherever they're at, are facing battles and temptations of their own flesh, battles and temptations driven by the evil one and his minions. Help us to remember that you are indeed victorious and that we are victorious in you. Give us strength this day to follow you and to live according to your word. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, and we're going to read down to verse 7. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So verse 7 is going to link us to our next section, which we're going to study on Thursday. And this morning we're going to continue, or this afternoon, sorry, lunchtime, or wherever you're watching this from. Paul says, I, a prisoner of the Lord. He's in difficult circumstances, and yet the circumstances haven't given him an excuse to not walk in a worthy manner of the Lord. So Paul is even saying, hey, as I'm in prison and the circumstances are clearly against me, I still want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Regardless of our circumstances or situation, never is there, is there an excuse to indulge in sin. Now, let will be very clear. When we sin, Christ is very forgiving and merciful and kind and patient and long-suffering, so don't miss out on that. But never allow your flesh or the enemy 
to breathe lies to you that it's okay to let my guard down or it's okay to sin because of the circumstances or because of my situation. No, we are called to walk in a manner worthy of Christ at all times in humility, gentleness, patience, putting up with one another in love, bearing with one another's failings and faults. And then verse three, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. It it is difficult to communicate effectively how important unity is to God. In John chapter 7, when Jesus prayed his great high priestly prayer, he prayed four different times that his followers, his disciples, and later the Christian church would be one, would have unity. And he ties it to a deep theological foundation. He wants us to have unity even as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have unity. Now, why is unity so important to God? Before he talks about the practicalities of Christian living, he says, I want you as my people to be one. I want you to get along. I want you to be of one heart and one mind because God's church, his people, are the representation of God on earth. That is what we've been called to, to be ambassadors in Christ. And Paul says, we need to be unified. Not attacking each other. As a matter of fact, you're, the way you fight for that unity, and he already said it, is through humility, gentleness, patience, and long-suffering. Let me ask you a question. On what basis do we seek unity? Do we seek unity because uh, we like the people? Do we seek unity on preferences or culture or even skin color? Do we seek unity because of a similar socioeconomic status? What is the basis of our unity as believers? Well, Paul says, I want you to be eager to fight for, because it's not natural. It's natural to to fellowship with people who are like-minded. It is not natural to fight for it with people who are difficult. That is why Paul says, hey, don't worry, unity is going to come naturally. He says, no, with all eagerness. And you got to do it in humility and gentleness and love. you got to put up with one another's faults. We're not naturally easy to get along with. And yet, it's something to fight for because it reflects God. How we are unified as believers has a direct correlation for how we picture God to the world. You see, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are an unceasing unity together and fellowship and love and joy. And we're supposed to picture that, you and I, in our relationships with each other. Not only are we supposed to fight for unity because Jesus prayed for it, it represents God himself, the very person and nature of God, but also because it says that we have been, in chapter 2, verse 13, brought near by the blood of Christ. We've been brought near to God by Jesus' sacrifice. And verse 18, for through him, we have access in one spirit to the Father. Now let's go back to chapter four. It says that we are to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. That all of us, because if we are in Christ, we put our faith and trust in him, he has saved us then the same Spirit gives us all access. It's not that we all have pieces of the Holy Spirit. We all have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And God himself in us binds us together. And that is such a precious gift that we're to 
fight for that unity and that identity that we have. Perhaps Paul is writing, and I think it's it's reasonable to assume, in the book of Ephesians, you have Jews and Gentiles, everybody now coming into the faith, people of different walks, ethnicities, and socioeconomic status. And you know what? There's a natural thing in humanity, in our sinfulness, to find unity or relationship based upon similar status, skin color, ethnicity, language, whatnot. But Paul says, our unity is founded on the fact that the Holy Spirit resides within us. And that's why we should love each other, to forgive one another. That when you love your fellow believers in Christ, you are loving God. Now, as we continue in this passage, it's a, Paul, Paul lays out the foundation or the basis for that unity in greater detail. And I should, and I should make a note that unity is not unity at any cost. This is not a unity that is just getting along no matter what, regardless of disagreements. We should fight for unity as believers um, in our local church and in between churches, but not at the sacrifice of doctrinal truth. And there are times we have to take a stand and say, no, I don't think that is right. We believe that this is the truth. Now we have to wield that carefully. Make sure that we are, we are not dividing over preferences or over speculative aspects of Scripture. That we are bound together in unity over the key areas of our faith. And we need to recognize when certain secondary areas create greater friction um, than is profitable uh, for us to maintain like direct close contacts. We have to use great wisdom. But here's what, here's what Paul is saying. You're, you need to maintain the unity of Christ. Maintain the unity of the Spirit on this foundation that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. That our unity is rooted in the Spirit, in one Lord, which he's referring to Christ. This is a, a, another name throughout the book of Ephesians. Already 20 times Christ has been referred to as Lord. So the Lord, the Spirit, and then God the Father. So we have the Trinity inherent right in this passage. On top of that, we have one faith, a core set of beliefs that bind us together, and a belief in a God that is not passive, but is sovereign, that is over all, through all, and in all. This is actually unique in Scripture, this specific phrasing that, is, that Paul uses here to describe God as not only overall in complete control, but through all, literally penetrating everything with his presence and in all in that there is no molecule, there is no aspect of existence that is devoid from God's inherent power holding it together by his very power and might. So God, our God, has prayed that we would be unified and that we would be bonded together, not by charismatic leaders, not by our likability with each other, but that we would be bound together by our common identity in Christ that transcends cultural ethnic barriers, but is united under our belief in who our God is. So there is a doctrinal foundation, but this doctrinal foundation, this effect of being unified and together as God's people is something that has to be fought for. That we have to, as Paul said, have humility, recognizing that 
we are we're still trying to figure this out ourselves and to esteem others better than ourselves and not in arrogance thinking that we are have have the corner on truth in all aspects no we need to dogmatically stand on god's word but also be humble with one another gentle we're also to be loving and we're to put up with one another's failings and faults and this this is something that we constantly look after and seek after and so brother and sister in christ what christian drives you nuts well if they're really in christ they have the holy spirit so fight for unity with them in the church with those around you fight for unity with them because jesus dwells within you and god the father is overall sees all and he wants us to picture that glorious trinitarian unity that is found between the father son and the holy spirit so because of what christ has done given us salvation, given us his Holy Spirit, that we as a church are to have unity, not just because it's nice to get along, but because it pictures God himself. So as we look in the rest of Ephesians chapter 4 through 6 about what it means to live out Christ in our daily lives, remember that it is just not simply about cause and effect and getting along, but that our very actions picture him that our very actions have the ability to symbolize to the world the holy spirit working in and through us not only symbolize but showcase his power directly let's pray as we go about our day and i pray that no matter where you're at that you would fight for unity among your brothers and sisters in christ dear jesus thank you for this time we do ask your blessing upon our day Holy Spirit, guide us and help us to fight for that unity in humility and gentleness and peace, putting up with one another, recognizing that we stand upon Christ and that that, you, O oh Jesus, are the core and the thing that binds us together. I pray, Lord, that you help us to live that out this week. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless and have a blessed Tuesday.